Good morning, everyone. Serve the Lord. That's the, the concept. That's part of Keala Oyesu, our discipleship path here at Kamaki Christian. We believe that every believer ought to be involved in each of those components. And so we've spent a season here and are going to continue, not in the messages, but in other ways, to focus on serve the Lord. And uh, it says underneath there, we joyfully serve the Lord to meet the needs in our church, community, and world through ministry teams. That's why for two weeks now, and then today, and then for three more weeks, we've got ministry tables on the lanai, and uh, we're featuring a lot of our different ministries, and we've got some exciting ones again today. You can check them out, talk to the people, get some information about what's involved in that ministry, what what roles are open that a person could step into to find joy and fulfillment in serving and know that you're making a difference. We also, as Jerry mentioned, have made available that spiritual gifts assessment and uh, really encourage you to take that this particular week and uh, it showed how easy it is to access it online. One thing it didn't show is there's another tab once you know your spiritual gifts uh, it shows the ministries, and then you hit this one tab, and it pulls down a church directory. And you can actually click on a person's name, and that will, person will be assigned to do your ministry for you. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's not true. Come on. Okay. No, you have to do your own ministry, all right? So... It, it isn't that complicated, okay? It's real simple, but you do that, and it'll show you your, your gifts, okay? And then also, I've been sharing a series of messages on serving. In fact, we started with Jesus, who said in various ways that if you want to be great in his kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. And then he showed how to do it in the way that he lived and served those among around him, humbly and joyfully. Then we began to look at Paul's letters, one after another, week after week, his letter to the church in Philippi, his letter to the church in Ephesus, his letter to the church in Rome, all focusing on various aspects of serving and how we are to do that. Today we're going to look at yet one more letter of the Apostle Paul. That's the letter to the church in Corinth. I mean, he said a lot about serving, and he listed different sets of gifts in each of these letters, uh, 19 or 19 plus, probably not exhaustive lists, even when you bring them all together, but he's illustrating some of the spiritual gifts that God gives to his people in the church. Now, spiritual gifts are special ab abilities that God gives to people who put their faith in Christ for the building up of the body of Christ, the church. That's just a simple definition of it. But the problem in Corinth is that those spiritual gifts weren't building up the body of Christ, they were tearing up the body of Christ. Because of the way they were using those gifts and abusing them, they were actually uh, arrogant in their use of them, they were uh, rude, they were dividing over them, and uh, it was a problem. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, you realize tongues were causing a major problem in the church because of the way they were being practiced and used. And uh, so he takes special note of, of that particular gift in chapter 14 in particular. 
But in chapter 12, he begins by saying this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. They were unaware of the nature and of the use of spiritual gifts. Other translations say, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. It had been my intention in this message to stick to chapter 12, because that's where there's a lot of spiritual gifts mentioned. But I realized if I would do that, I'd miss the point of this series, Improving Your Serve, because the point that Paul is making in chapters 12, 13, and 14 are how the church together should use their spiritual gifts to serve in order to build up the body of Christ. And if I only focused on part of it, chapter 12, I think we'd miss the larger point that Paul's making here. Let me illustrate it this way. Many of you know that old illustration about how uh, three men were blindfolded and they were uh, told they needed to identify something, so then they were led to a place where there was an elephant standing there. And so one of the blindfolded men comes up and he finds the trunk and he says, an elephant is like a tree trunk. Another says, no, no, an elephant's like a wall. And another one got a hold of the tail and said, no, an elephant is like a rope. And each was convinced in their own mind. And I think that too many people, too many churches, have approached this Corinthian letter, uh, gotten a hold of the tail or the trunk, and distorted the understanding of spiritual gifts because they've only looked at part of the picture rather than the big picture. So I want to uh, take all three of these chapters into account this morning. I'm only going to pull sections from each, and you can read through all those chapters together, but I want you to understand that that Corinthian letter was not written in chapters and verses originally. Uh, it was written as one letter and then later broken up. So it flows through those three chapters, and the subject in focus is spiritual gifts. But because... This has happened because people have come piecemeal to this letter and other letters that address spiritual gifts. Christians and often churches are confused about spiritual gifts and ineffective in their service and sometimes divided even. Spiritual gifts awareness makes for a healthy church. And so that's what I want us to grow in this morning as we pull key points from these chapters. I want to pull some from each of the three chapters, and I've got it in three points there in your outline. Here's the first. Our serving will greatly improve if we're aware that spiritual gifts are distributed by the Holy Spirit as He wills. Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 12, there are a variety of gifts, charismata. There are a variety of ministries that flow from those gifts. And then there are a variety of effects or results that come from those ministries. And then he says in verse 4, But to each one, to each person, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the Spirit. Let me make a brief comment here. Some of the gifts that are set forth in the New Testament we don't have a clear definition of. I mean, uh, it isn't set forth there. What is the word of wisdom? Uh, you'll look and you'll find that people 
skew that in different ways. They interpret it a little bit differently uh, because of what they believe the context was here historically. But we don't have a lot to go on. Is it applying God's wisdom in a given situation? The Holy Spirit gives special wisdom? Probably something like that. Uh, the particulars? Hard to know. Uh, what about the word of knowledge? Is that when you're in a situation you need to know something in the context of the church and God gives that word of knowledge? Probably, but how exactly does that work out? Some are a little ambiguous, and I just have to say that as you go through these spiritual gifts. But I think the important thing he says here is that they're given to each one for the common good, not for our personal satisfaction, although we're fulfilled when we use our spiritual gifts, but they're given for the common good, for the body of Christ, so that it'll be built up. Then he says, as he continues, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now, we all have faith if we're Christians, but this is a gift, just a, an ability to trust God for amazing things, and we need that in the body. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of spirits or discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. Um, and that's languages you haven't learned. Now, we saw that on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, where they spoke in unlearned languages, and people heard it in their own languages, people praising God, and they came to Christ because of that. Uh, because of 1 Corinthians 14 and some things that are said in that chapter, uh, others believe that it's also a prayer language that can be between a person and God. Again, not definitively set forth, but uh, there's some disagreement on that, but generally those are some... Uh, opinions that people have. And, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. In other words, if it's not understandable, somebody needs to explain it, interpret it. And then I want you to notice this next verse. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, look at this, just as He wills. Not just as we will. I mean, I like that gift. I think I'll have the gift of miracles. Wouldn't that be great, you know? Or I want the gift of intercession. It doesn't work that way. It is not a spiritual buffet where you go along, and I'd always choose the chocolate cake and chocolate halpia pie, whatever. But it isn't that you get to choose your own spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit distributes them to each just as he wills. So each person gets one or more gifts directed by the Holy Spirit. And then, well, in fact, you can imagine uh, if it were the case that everybody shows up for football practice and uh, you get to choose your own position. And, and, and one guy tells the coach, you know what, I've always looked up to Tom Brady or uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers. I want to be the quarterback. Coach says, yeah, but you weigh 350 pounds. Yeah, but I've always wanted to be the quarterback. I think you're an offensive lineman, you know? I mean, it's like, in, if it's that way in football, we know it's that way in the church. And it has nothing to do with our weight, folks. But it has to do with the gifts that God has given to us. And then he talks about the human body. He really goes into that. I'll skip those verses. But he talks about there's many members in the human body but everything isn't the same. Everything isn't an eye, or you'd see really well, but you wouldn't be able to get around. Everything isn't an ear. You'd have great hearing, but you wouldn't be able to walk. 
there's many members to the human body. And then he says this, and he refers to the body of Christ. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Isn't that amazing? Not only did the Holy Spirit distribute the spiritual gifts into your lives just as he wills, but he placed each of you as members into the body just as he desires. So that means the gifts that you have, and if you're a follower of Christ, you have spiritual gifts, whether you know that or not. And the gifts that you have and the fact that you've been placed in a particular body of Christ are not by chance, but are by God's design. And that elevates the importance of you and what you can contribute to the whole body of Christ so this body is built up. That puts spiritual gifts and your placement in the body in a very important position. Paul continues, and he says, God has given to the church apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and, and gifts. And then he asked the question, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And yet in some churches, you're kind of expected to have some spiritual gifts if you're going to be really spiritual. But Paul says, all don't have them, do they? And you know what? You know what answer he was expecting? Of course not. We know that for two reasons. That's the whole context of this chapter. He's saying there's many members, different gifts, and you need them to fit together to have a functioning body. That's one thing, context. But another reason we know that is because of the Greek language that this was originally written in. When you ask a question like that in the Greek, there is one word that you insert into that sentence that demands a yes, another word that you insert in that sentence that demands a no. He put may in those sentences which means, of course, not all are apostles or teachers or workers of miracles. Of course, all do not speak in tongues or interpret because God has distributed gifts uh, by variety for the building up of the body of Christ. All are not wide receivers, are they? All are not cornerbacks, are they? All are not fullbacks, are they? Of course not. You need to be a team. And so there's no room for gift envy. Oh, I wish I had that person's gift. No, we have our own gift. Each of us does. Or oh, there's no room in the body of Christ for gift projection. I have this gift, so you need it too. No, let the Holy Spirit determine that because he's the one that distributes those gifts. Once upon a time, the animals decided they should organize a school. They adopted a curriculum of running, climbing, swimming, and flying. To make it easier, all the animals took all the subjects. The duck was excellent in swimming. In fact, he was better than his instructor, but he made only passing grades in flying and was very poor in running. Since he was slow in running, he had to drop swimming and stay after school to practice running. This wore his webbed feet out, so he was only average in swimming. But average was quite acceptable. Nobody was worried about that ex except the duck. The rabbit started at the top of his class in running, but developed a nervous twitch in his leg muscles because of so much makeup work in swimming. 
The squirrel was excellent in climbing, but he encountered constant frustration in flying class because his teacher made him start from the ground up instead of from the treetop down. He developed Charlie horses from overexertion and so only got a C in climbing and a D in running. But the eagle was the problem child in the class. He was severely disciplined for being a nonconformist. In climbing classes, he beat all the others to the top of the tree, but insisted on using his own way to get down from there. That's true of creatures in the forest. It's also true of Christians. God has not made us all the same, and he never intended to. So you can relax. You can enjoy the gifts God's given you, celebrate the ones that he's given others, and develop the gifts and capabilities God has entrusted to you. Rabbits don't fly. Eagles don't swim. Ducks look funny trying to climb. And squirrels have, don't have feathers. So stop comparing your gifts to others. Enjoy who God made you. There's plenty of room in the forest. Serving improves when we understand that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts as He wills. Secondly, our serving will greatly improve if we're aware that spiritual gifts are to be governed by love. Tuesday's Valentine's Day, and uh, this is 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter, right? So here's a segment of this chapter that you're all familiar with. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Where do you normally hear that passage read? Weddings, that's right. Is this passage about marriage? It's really not. Now, it's okay to apply it to marriage, and in fact, if we would, we'd have better marriages and better relationships all around. But this whole passage is about spiritual gifts. This whole set of passages from 12 to 14, Paul's addressing spiritual gifts. In fact, look what precedes those verses that I just read how he opens this chapter. He's just been talking about all do not speak in tongues, do they? And then he says, well, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, say as in a martyr, uh, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 is really about spiritual gifts. And he's saying, this is not an isolated chapter on love. This is how the gifts that we utilize in the body of Christ are to be governed. We are to have loving relationships with one another, uh, accepting their gifts and, and utilizing ours in the context of love. When we read 1 Corinthians 13 out of context, it's just a chapter on love. If we take part of that chapter, if we take the, the portions on spiritual gifts in chapter 12 or chapter 14 and forget about love, 
then it's all about the gifts. But Paul wanted them blended together, and that's the big point of this entire passage. But sometimes I think it's too easy for us to read verses or even chapters and miss the big picture, and then we miss the point. Have any of you ever done that with a letter or with an email? On Friday, I left home on that morning, and, and I told you, I don't need a lunch today because I'm going to have lunch with Pastor Ralph. We've been trying to get together for quite a while, and Friday wouldn't be my favorite day to do that. We have a service that night, but, but we're going to meet. She said, where are you meeting? I said, we're going to meet at uh, Chili's. So I pull up my calendar on my laptop, and it says, CPK. I said, oh, okay, I must have just read that wrong, or thought Chili's. And so uh, it's getting time, so I jump in my car, go over to Kahala Mall, and um, parking's tough over there. It's gotten crazy, you know. But I finally find a parking place, and I go to CPK, and I'm walking around in there, and I don't see Pastor Ralph anywhere. And so I'm thinking, maybe it's Chili's. So I go over to Chili's, and I walk around in there and talk to the guys over there. No. And so go back to CPK. No, now it's about a quarter till one. We're supposed to meet at 1230. And so I'm walking back to my car. I don't have his number. And he calls me. And uh, he says, are you coming? I said, I'm here. Um, I've been trying to find you. And he said, well, where are you now? I said, I'm over by Whole Foods. He said, are you in Pearl Ridge? I said, no, I'm in Kahala. He said, my text said Pearl Ridge. And I said, oh, man. And I really apologized. And oh, my goodness. And, and I realized, I got to slow down. I got to read those texts and emails a little more carefully. And uh, you can get in trouble. If you, you can miss something really important in a text. So can you in Scripture. If you just pick and choose and pull things out of context, you'll miss the big picture. And I think that's especially true in this circumstance when it comes to love being what's important to govern our use of spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. So we need to understand our serving will improve if we know it's the Holy Spirit that distributes those gifts, that, that, they're, that they're to be governed by love. And our serving will greatly improve if we're aware that spiritual gifts are to be practiced in an orderly manner. Now, this chapter, chapter 14, Paul turns a corner and he wants to focus on spiritual gifts when we come together in worship. Now, these were written to house churches, but they were written to uh, house churches distributed, and he's, he's wanting uh, them to be orderly. And so that's the whole focus of chapter 14. And he says in verse 4, One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself or builds himself up, but one who prophesies, and this is speaking forth the word of God, edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you'd prophesy. Tongues was really in fashion in that church, evidently. And, and greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. And we say, wait a minute. I thought people were of equal value. And I thought the gifts were of equal value. And they are. He's not saying the person that prophesies is greater. In essence, he's saying that in that circumstance, in that situation, the greater need is for 
prophecy where people can understand what's being said rather than people just babbling in an unknown language. That's not really edifying to the church. So that is not the greater need in the assembly. Then he says this. What is the outcome then? For you are giving thanks well enough if you're speaking in tongues, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. He makes a sharp point here. If we just gather together and everybody's babbling along in tongues, he says, that's not going to build the church up. In fact, he goes on to say that if an unbeliever walks into that situation, they're going to be freaked out. They're going to think you're crazy and not be brought to Christ. And so he says that wouldn't do any good at all. And so, how should your services be? Well, Paul says in verse 26, When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, something they've received from the Lord, has a tongue, has an interpretation. In fact, he said two are at the most three tongues, and then each one has to have an interpretation. Let all things done be done for edification, for building up, but... All things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. When they were in the first century as in these house churches, they didn't have paid staff. They didn't have a pastor who preached every Sunday. People would bring what they had, what they got from the Lord. And they had a psalm from the Hebrew scriptures. And, and by the way, that's what our Ohana groups need to be. Yes, we have facilitators, we have leaders, but we need to come to those services in particular, those house churches, as it were, with what God's put on our hearts and share with one another because that's what builds people up and that's where we really grow and that's what it was in the first century. But, but the point is there needs to be order, not chaos in the services. Now, we don't want to be so predictable that we're boring and we can err on that side, uh, but, but, but we don't want to be chaotic, so we're scary either. And I think what we need to do, especially in light of these chapters, is if, avoid some extremes. Because there are churches and there are Christians today who come to spiritual gifts, and some churches say, hey, those sign gifts, tongues and miracles and healings and interpretations, those are gone. When the apostles died, that was it. And that's called cessationism, the gifts have ceased. And okay, that's an acceptable position people can hold and they can base that on scripture. Um, they can, because in, in, in opinions there's liberty, right? In faith, unity, in opinions, liberty, but in all things love. People on the other end of the spectrum say, oh, not only are the spiritual gifts in operation today, but you need to practice them. And you're not spiritual unless you're practicing them. And that's not a biblical position. I really believe the whole tenor of these chapters is that, well, we may not quite have it all figured out in spiritual gifts. But we do know that we're called to determine our own spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us. That we are to use them in love in the context of the body of Christ and that we are to practice our worship in an orderly manner. And if we'll do that, we'll be fulfilled. Others will be encouraged. We'll work together. This body of Christ will be built up, and Christ will be honored and glorified. 
So it's incumbent upon us to put these things into practice. And the assignment for this week is take a spiritual gifts assessment. Do that online or with those hard copies. And that'll give you an indication of your spiritual gifts. But where you really discover your spiritual gifts is once you step out into ministry and begin to serve because they'll become evident. Or not, and you realize that's not my ministry, I need to find another one. And they'll be surfaced and others will say, that really blesses me. And God is honored by that. Let's bow for prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given to this body of believers. And thank you for each member that you've placed in this local church. We want to work together harmoniously under the authority of the head of the church, Jesus, so that you're honored, Lord, and others are reached with this glorious good news of a Savior and built up, and we along with them. Help us, I pray, in this endeavor. In your name, amen.